Hello, and welcome to Between Two Cairns. I'm Yochai. Hello, I'm Brad. I'm Skullboy. What's a how, how's a how, what's a coming to go? <laughs> wow. Why do you get more stereotypically Italian every time you're on? You just it's a little know. more like Mario. We got a it's we got true. a Mamma Mia well, situation over here. You know, I was I was raised by a bunch of Mamma Mias, and uh, <laughs> it's just gonna keep it's just gonna keep escalating from there. I think. Was it a, a like a movie Mamma Mia situation where you had mm. one of the three father figures in your life was? <laughs> I think my life the is real one, and we had my, a lot of fun figuring that out along the way, singing some of the. My life is progressing into more uh, of a Mamma Mia situation as I accumulate more fathers. <laughs> more fathers. <laughs> what, what a dream! Yeah. Okay, can I just say what we're reviewing? Because I didn't. How are we all? How are no. we all, real quick? How are y'all feeling about the movie Mamma Mia? Do we like Mamma Mia? No, wait. It's wow. um. I mean, I I really like musicals. I I don't uh-huh. I don't care I don't care about Mamma Mia specifically, but it's better than a punch yeah. in the face. You know, it's like you know I, sure, I watched I it the you. time that I watched it, and it was like uh-huh. okay, I get it. I see. I watched Mamma Mia, and I I had I I've never seen a movie like that where I had no idea if I loved it or if I hated it. I was like yeah. right in this wave of like what it was just washing over me. I'm like this is either my favorite movie. Or I hate this movie and I never want to see it again, and I cannot figure it. It would like it. It rattled me. It. Ra- I'm. I'm still thinking about it. It's exactly what people. It's exactly what people think of when they think of musicals if they don't know anything uh-huh. about musicals. And I think that's really sad because I wish. I wish people would think of like Into the Woods as like the you know preeminent musical experience because that's like a good know. musical. I think um, there's something beyond there. I think there's something inherently. Mamma Mia! About Mama. I don't know. I don't. I, I don't know. It's there's some mysterious force. Yeah, the force is Abba. Maybe that's it. Abba Maybe is the, the reason the you like that. Abba it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be good otherwise. The source work. Yeah. The, the, the source material. Okay. It's Swedish okay. pop music. Can, can I just introduce what we're reviewing, and yeah, then you can go back to whatever this? Okay, like there's something there. T- today on Between Two Cairns, we're going to be reviewing Dungeon Module X2: Castle Amber. Or Chateau d'Amberville. I've been looking forward to you saying the French <laughs> mm-hmm. parenthetical oh, there all yes. week. So I'm glad you did that. Ah, uh, well. So back to Mamma Mia. Do you think there? it's more than just the music of ABBA, though? Do you think there's some inherent thing about the movie that's just that's making me? I just don't get it. It's well, it's I mean, it's really, really stupid, but it kind of knows mm-hmm. that it's really stupid, which it's is, having a blast, though. It's it know? is it is it is just it is just has doing anyone its had thing. more fun making a movie than the cast of Mamma Mia? That's can like, anyone I seriously can wonder. anyone fake being able to sing worse than Pierce Brosnan? <laughs> I don't think I don't so. Remember. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he's not, it's not good. good. <laughs> into the good stuff, I think. I would love to explore this more. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're going to start a musicals podcast next. Okay. On today's show, we're going to do another Gamer Blast from the past where Sam Amelli, aka Skullboy, joins us to review a classic module. That's it. Mamma Mia. Here I go again, right? Oh, yes. That's what we say <laughs> when Sam's here. You worked, you worked that in. Mama Mold Bay. Here we go. It's okay. Easy. This one is actually, I'm really excited to review this. So let's just quickly get to our mailbag question, and then jump into the review, okay? Yeah. Okay. A- and yes, Brad, there's going to be a lot of French parentheticals in this, as you- <laughs> <laughs> uh, perhaps unnecessarily. Uh-huh. Start the questions. The Moot Sack. We got a question from the Moot Sack. The Moot Sack. Let's, let's pull it out. The Moot Sack. That's what we call our mailbag. 
It's just a cute little name. Mm-hmm. Okay, so today's mailbag question comes in from Aaron Rusin. Aaron has actually written in before about sadness in RPGs, which he references here. Sad Aaron. That's right. Hi again, Brad and Yohai. And Sam. Sad Aaron <laughs> writing in again. <laughs> Recently, you and the very wonderful Leo Hunt discussed a syllabus list of ga- adventures, and I wondered how different your list would be for new GMs learning how to run OSR games. If different, doesn't that speak to a kind of gatekeeping inherent in RPGs and which adventures are quote-unquote good? I'd love to hear more from you about the real or perceived barrier to entry of the hobby and how more information in adventures may or may not be helpful for new or learning GMs. Thanks. Love your show, Aaron. Hmm. Sad Aaron. Yeah, sad Aaron. Thanks for emailing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I have so self, ma- I have so self. many opinions. I'm I'm bursting. Yeah. I'm bursting at the seams. Great. Well, then you one. know what? Why don't you Why don't you start? You're the guest. I think personally, a, a podcast is a great format for having opinions, Sam. So this would be a great time for you to share those. I th- you know it's actually really fortuitous that I'm here, uh, so I can really yeah, especially with a, a kind of a question <laughs> prompt. Like it doesn't get any any better. It's, than uh-huh. it's crazy that uh-huh. people even allow me to do this. Um, I, I have a little bit of a problem with the the use of the term gatekeeping. Here because we go. While I think gatekeeping is a thing that does happen and s- definitely happens in this realm that we're speaking about, because there are a lots of old heads and new heads and all sorts of heads. Um, and sometimes you have a clash of the heads and the old heads don't want to play with the new heads and all that sort of stuff that definitely happens. I'm not saying it doesn't. I do think the term gets thrown around sort of like um, an- another example of this would be like, when somebody says that uh, they're being gaslit when really they're just being told wrong information and that's not necessarily the same thing. I think oftentimes people use the term gatekeeping just to mean hard to get into. I think um, the tabletop gaming hobby can be a little bit challenging to get into if you aren't Mm -hmm. Ready to dive into a big new world of confusing terms and products that you haven't heard of and stuff. But I also think that that's like, in some ways, part of the fun. Like, I think back to, you know, back in like around, uh, I'd say I started really getting into this hobby in like 2009 or 10. Um, I first played in 2008. And then after that, it's like when I started discovering like, blogs and different editions and like all this stuff and like looking through and started playing different editions of just D at first and then like getting into it, it's like there's a lot of there's a lot of barriers to entry that are just like things that you have to like look up and see what people say about them and formulate your own opinions about them and then you get into a discussion with somebody maybe you get into an argument with them and it's just like mm-hmm. all of that stuff is part of it that is integral to the hobby and to any hobby it's just like there's no it's like I feel like the uh, my other hobbies are so similar to this in some ways or it's just like I play in a band and I like music I'm a guitar player and so like I like pedals and like <laughs> that's like one of those things where people like there is infinite amounts of guitar pedals that a person could buy there are infinite effects there are infinite amounts of things that you could do with sound 
And I think sometimes people will feel like, oh, I can't get into that. There's just too much. And it's just like, well, you can, mm. you just have to know that it's going to be a slow drip. You're not going to get right. into it all in a day. And that's fine. Just like it's the hobby is like doing the hobby. And part of doing the hobby is like learning stuff about it. So like, yeah. I think if you're approaching it from a place where it's just like, you know, is it, is it gatekeeping to say that some things are good and some things are bad? I mean, no more so than saying like some movies are bad. Some Mamma Mia's might not be good. Some people might have opinions about that. It's just like, right. you know, everything is just a journey where you're figuring out how you relate to the source and how that relates to the community at large. And so just like, you know, be a little bit freer with it. Don't worry. Don't worry so that's, much. That's the name of the game, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I think like to to springboard on what you're saying though, like guitar pedals though. If you're like, hmm, this interests me, and you go into the you go into the guitar store and you see this wall of pedals, you know, I feel like both with RPGs, well, with indie RPGs maybe, uh, and guitar pedals, it's not a lot of like big flag waving, like easy point, start here. You know, you need like you need some real head to be like, hey. Get the big muff, you know, like yeah. that's, that's a guitar yeah. pedal. It, yes, it is, and um, it's a it's it's one that like you know it's probably one of the first pedals you're going to end up buying, much yeah. like Blackworm of Brandonsford. Like, <laughs> it's just like, but uh, see, I don't agree that that's one of the first that you'll end up buying, Blackworm. I feel like it's what you'll end up doing is getting as close as possible to the thing you already know, which is some you know, old school classic module. That's uh-huh. my opinion is that you'll end up because they're inexpensive and they're constantly recommended. If you go into like the ROSR subreddit uh-huh. every day, there's a, what module should I run? And yes, Blackworm is always listed, but you know, what's listed a lot more B2. Yeah. yeah that's a, that's actually a not more. a great place to start. I feel like. Right, but it is where a lot of people do start. And I, that's true. And I think that's where we get into this sort of thing where, it's not about what's good and bad. It's about where's a good place to start. Like what, what is the tip of the iceberg that you want to begin at? Like where, where should I start my delve? And like, yeah. I think that's where it's a good place to, you know, say this is a good place to begin and this isn't it. There, there's no like correct answer to this. There's no universal answer. It's not like if you said, where, Hey, I want to play the most up-to-date version of D and D today, like dungeons and dragons. It's very easy. To go on Amazon and buy the fifth edition player's handbook. And that's, that's, that is the answer. Yeah. Like sure. There's better five E things, but that's the answer. Yeah. It's not true with old school play. And I mean, we all have different journeys. I'm going to push back a little bit on the gatekeeping bit. I think information itself can be a form of gatekeeping. There's so much information around the old school movement and, and, and disinformation, misinformation and different viewpoints on information. I know you call that, um, that it can be very daunting for someone coming in. Like I am not a very, um, crunchy or math oriented person. So even though I had this feeling like I wanted more from the kind of RPGs I was playing when I kind of circled the OSR originally back in 2013 or something, Mm -hmm. um, whenever I would talk about, being interested, I would get, because I was talking about it in an, in a, in an outsider's language, the insiders on whatever form I was on Google plus or dragon's foot or whatever, the pushback would be generally condescending, even un- unintentionally and generally referencing the holy grails of OSR play. And any deviation from that would be seen as, uh, you know, 
apostate. It was it's I, okay. Okay, it was I, like, I see what's happening. It was like here. being, and so so my my brushing up against OSR was that's not how you do this, and which I think if I was a different, I am I am filled with unearned self confidence. I think it's partly being Israeli <laughs> and partly just like brain function. So. I'm just, I don't care if someone says, you can't do that. I'll just do it anyways. And I don't care what they think. But for a lot of people who aren't privileged like that, they would hear someone condescending to them or bringing up um, these kind of gatekeeping-esque topics and they would just bail. And and I think think that actually did happen to me a little bit because I brushed up against uh, he who shall not be named and thought, wow, that dude's an asshole. Is that representative of the hobby? And mm-hmm. then I actually, of all people, met Greg Gorgon Milk, and he was very nice to me, which, say that, say what you will about whatever happened with him later, like, he was very nice to me, and I didn't have the same experience as I had had earlier um, with uh, some of the other old-school OS, like, you know, the, when I say old-school here, I mean, like, the 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 um the Early original figureheads of the old school yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that's what I mean um so I, again I agree with you Sam on the one hand that the internet is not a substitute for reality and their version of gatekeeping is a like weird made up universe that I want nothing to do with but the real person behind the computer who's just like I I you know I've heard of OSR I've heard of old school if they search for that they will find a few specific places they'll find the you know our rpg which is like the worst subreddit on the internet in my opinion it's and they'll good, find yeah. <laughs> and they'll find like other maybe they'll today find the osr pit which isn't like super heavy traffic but i mean i believe that's how like um a few osr and like today modern osr notables found the osr was like through discourse forums and such like more modern forms and then they'll find like the old stuff like you know php bb boards that are like um, old, old D and D and all of those are very, um, for someone who's from an outsider, it's gosh, you know how complicated the lineage of D and D is? Oh yeah. I'm it's well so aware. Complicated. Yeah. It, and it's, it, it's like, oh wait, that's actually a derivative of basic or that's a derivative of OD and D. And how do I know? How do I care? What do I, like, you know, there's so much discussion that's just about the same, like five versions of the same game that it's sort of, um, blends together and, and just, it does create a kind of wall of, um, not necessarily gatekeeping, but it, it is, it is a hill to climb. And so just, just putting that out there. Uh, I, and I'm not even speaking to those who have like non-standard identities or whatever, who, who are like, Oh wow, this is like a bunch of white dudes who play video games. Like that is to me, to me, a community of only white men playing video games is the most like, uh, I don't want anything to do with it. Like, I oh, just that's not feel a fun, like, not, it's not a fun hang for you. No, no I, I, no, I mean, I, I totally understand. That, yeah. You know, I, my, here's, here's my one, my one pushback to your pushback. And I think we are uh, talking yes. about two slightly different things here because whenever I'm, mm-hmm. I'm approaching this always from, uh, one of the original rules of the internet, which is lurk more. Um, mm-hmm. I am 100%. a, I'm a big lurker. I lurk yeah. in lots of lurk. places. L2L. Um, I, uh, I lurked for, I think, my first three or four years of engage engagement with the hobby. When I say engagement, I mean just reading stuff that people were writing, looking at games, 
you know, running games like at my own table with like a couple of friends, but like, I didn't really talk to anybody or like engage with anything for a while. And then once I, once I did, it was like, I felt like I had like, I I waited until I felt like I had sort of an even foot, a little bit more of an even footing of things. And I think that maybe that's where this sort of is coming from. Cause I agree. I, I think if you go in and you engage in a place like, yeah, like Dragon's Foot Forums in yeah, 2013, like, good luck. Like, that's gonna, uh-huh. that's gonna suck, like, so much ass. It's, it's just gonna be incredible for you that you can live <laughs> off of, like, that much fart. Um, that's, <laughs> that's my super, uh, erudite way of saying, uh, yeah, just like, I, I just, I, I'm just a big proponent for, like, don't post on the internet ever and only read things that other people have posted. And when you do post, like, you know, make it a good one. But like, I, I do think that it's the, I think it's when, when you, when you are coming at it from like, I want to be part of this community, I want to say things, I want to ask questions. That's a totally different story. And like, I think gatekeeping is a lot more prevalent there. And it's more of an, an actual like issue. I think when people are like a dick to new people, I do think that that is like, that sucks and it's not fun. Uh-huh. Um, and it doesn't, it doesn't welcome people into the community. And that's why you have like, you know, all of the various issues of diversity and everything like that, that you have in many of these sort of gaming spaces, you know, no matter what the format. Right. Right. Well, and, uh, and, and I know, and I want to give Brad a chance to talk, but just to, on that last point, I have this friend, um, she and I have the kind of rule with one another where, if the only person that likes a certain thing is like a straight white dude, it it's usually not a thing that I like. Like Joe Rogan would be an example of that. Like if only if it's if that thing is only liked by straight white dudes, it, generally speaking, that thing is going to suck. And um, and I'm speaking very generally here, but uh, I feel like that's a battle that the role playing game sphere is still fighting and really needs to kind of distinguish itself because you get this common parlance and and insular culture in any niche hobby especially dominated by those who have um the least to lose and it it can it it, it just by its very nature creates a sort of gate to anyone else because they don't have the terms they don't have the familiarity they they don't have the experiences and i think this was especially true when the hobby was first starting where you basically had like three groups of people across the U S and one group in like the UK. And they all had very similar backgrounds and were trying really hard to make one thing happen. Uh, and you know, it just so happens that a bunch of white dudes from Wisconsin succeeded in their endeavor and that that's the default play style. And so if it, if, if that sort of like presentation works for you, it's going to attract you and it's going to kind of self, um, perpetuate. And, and I think, I think the hobby has gone a long way to not being so exclusive, but it's still pretty damn exclusive to people who enter the hobby as, um, essentially straight white guys. And, and I'm only bringing that up to say that, like, I think gatekeeping is inherent in any monolithic or homogenous hobby, even unintentional, even. Yeah. I'd say I pretty much agree with that. Go on, Brad. Good, good discussion. Good discussion. Well, I don't know. I think this question is, it's interesting. Um, okay. So how different a list of, of recommended modules would be for new GMs learning how to run OSR games? If different, doesn't that speak to a kind of gatekeeping inherent in RPGs and which adventures are good? Okay. So taking it back to this question a little bit, uh, I feel like this kind of speaks to a schism, especially speaking to what you mentioned earlier, Sam, uh, an inherent schism in OSR, uh, games. And gamers, and that I feel like it's half 
or more um, old school people <laughs> were playing the the games and the modules they ran when they were young. And that's why mm-hmm. you see B2 on every list because that's their D&D. That's always been their D&D. And these people are not doing anything different than they've ever done. It's always been this kind of D&D. Um, and then there's the kind of new school people who typically have drifted here from other games. Like people started on a 5e and they're like, this is not, this is fun, but not quite right. What else is out there? And they, you know, made their way and found this, you know, different indie version of D&D, which is, uh, incidentally old school. Um, I feel like there's very, very, very few people who like modern <laughs> of the modern era who start in OSR without coming from another another game you know like how many people do you know that like started with into the odd or started with old school essentials you know i know way 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 more people who are like started with 5e and they're like what other games are out there um so i do feel like there is i don't know it's it's always hard to start with the indie stuff it's hard to know that you like something that's different than the main thing you know um is that like uh, a gatekeepy thing? I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. I just think there's inherently gates to like starting with the thing that's not as popular as the main thing. Um, but the thing that I think jumps out to me as like different from OSR to like um, like the big Dungeons and Dragons is just like dungeon procedure. And I know like dungeons aren't the only thing that makes OSR the OSR, but I think that's a big thing. And I think that's the thing about modern D&D that uh, is is lacking, is that <laughs> we lost the dungeons. Um, yeah, no, there's some dungeons. There's some constellations. And honestly, like, there's some decent ones out there. Pathfinder 2 has Abomination Vaults, a mega dungeon. I think that's pretty decent. You know, honestly, I think there's some good stuff there. But uh, I don't know. For me, like, if I'm thinking, like, how to introduce new GMs learning how to run OSR games, I am really just want to introduce them to good Dungeons, because I think dungeon procedures are things that we've lost from D&D 5e and other modern D&Ds in favor of, like, cool fight D&D. So, uh, I definitely yeah. agree with that. I, I think I, I've had some of my most fun with 5th edition was uh-huh. uh, playing in a randomly generated dungeon game yeah. with randomly generated characters from D&D Beyond. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was so fun yeah. because that... That, ga- that game, I believe, actually does very well in a dungeon setting. I just think a lot of uh, people don't really play that kind of game in the modern right. sort of D&D zone, which is <laughs> yes. fine. I mean, it's like I think D- 5e uh, either suffers or benefits from being the – the, the the big monolith game that everyone's just like, what if I used it to, you know, uh-huh. recreate my favorite TV show? Like this is my hack of D&D <laughs> right. 5e so I can do Bleach or Avatar right. The Last Airbender or like any number <laughs> of, you know, just like things that people like that they're just like, yeah. oh, this is like, you know, kind of like a heroic journey thing. Let's use Dungeons and Dragons for that. And it's like, that's fine. Sure. You can do it. But I do think it is still like you, you do, you do, I think you're, it's uh you're not you're not shifting into a specific gear that the game was built for if you're right. not using a dungeon and doing the dungeon part of the game which is like you know i i love the dungeon you know that it's the du- like, for yeah. me it's the dungeon it's all it's all about the dungeons it's always the dungeons and yeah like 5e could almost get there i feel like the things keeping it from getting there are fights take too long so mm-hmm. you don't have time to open a, enough doors so the dungeon feels right. like a slog and two I, there's no coded uh morale rules 
So there's no built-in no, rules okay. saying monsters run at some point. They mm. always fight to the death. Remind unless, me, is there are, you know. are there reaction rules in no. fifth edition? Yeah. So that's yeah, also no. rea- reaction rules. Yeah. Morality or moral 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 saves. What do you, yeah. Moral rules. Uh-huh. I don't know morality. Yeah. <laughs> morality. Mor- uh, so those two, but also. Uh-huh. Um, I feel like fifth edition's other big problem besides how long um, combat uh-huh. takes is that it really does try to solve every problem with combat. Yeah. Um, there, there's not, I mean, yeah, you could use the rules as they are to. And, and a legion and, of fans would say, that's not how I play it. You know, in my right. game, my elves started a coffee shop. And I'm like, I know, no. I know. Yeah, but, but it is designed for combat. It, it is, it is a combat uh-huh. game with RPG elements. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think the the if I had to really split it off from the OSR, the uh-huh. big change besides, of course, reaction rules and morale rules and all, all yes. that is the randomness of most OSR games. I think leads to that kind of the character is an avatar, uh, as opposed to, um, basically p- putting stance. your the the, the player Navi. putting the player as the <laughs> the Navi. Yeah. <laughs> Too much Jake, not enough Navi. Yeah. Yeah, enough Jake. Uh, it's, <laughs> my son. Him again? My son uh-huh. loves Avatar The Last Airbender and recently saw an ad for Avatar and he can read now. So he was like, uh-huh. what the hell is this? The papyrus. <laughs> Why they uh, make this Avatar? blue? Yeah. And I, I said, don't, don't look. Don't look, don't, son. Don't, don't look. look. Don't look. We'll, we'll um, get anyways, back to Aang to, shortly. Uh-huh. Yeah, I didn't. Speaking, actually, today is the day the live action show comes out. Anyhow. Um, oh, interesting. Back to. Back to you, Brad. I just uh-huh. wanted to add. Also, it's a combat simulator at heart, so yeah, it's why it's hard to move away. But you could totally. I mean, the, uh, you know, listener, friend of the show, Lex Mandrake, his uh-huh. his uh fifth edition rules, but meant for old school dungeon uh-huh. crawling game. Uh, uh, B five or five B. <laughs> his his game five B, mm-hmm. which is um basically exactly what you're talking about, uses mostly fifth edition rules to make yeah. uh, an OSR experience. So you can totally do it. It's just the cruft, you know, it's the cruft right. that tells you what the game is. Yeah. Right. And like, there's a lot of 5e that I'd be thrilled to throw into OSR games. Like I want my fighters to be, to say, I want to be an eldritch knight and learn some spells. Like, hell yeah, man, that sounds fun. That's cool. I don't have any problem with that. It's just, look, the things that I think make OS for me, make OSR games, OSR are these codified old school rules, faster fights, morale checks, reaction rolls, you know, and uh, the fun is indoors. Players, it's door D and D. Yes, but also okay. player skill over character skill. I think. Yeah, it's yeah, huge. yeah. That stuff too. I think that you're emerges not relying from on a freaking. No, nah, because you could. I, I think uh-huh. that the the emphasis in older games and OSR games uh-huh. on what does the player know versus what the character knows in D and D really mm, yeah, in fifth edition it really comes down to character knowledge. Yeah. Um, and. And yeah, I think perception it, checks, you know, you know right, knowledge of precisely. dungeon rules. You're right. Character, character you're right. knowledge That's and just issue. game knowledge too. I think like a yeah. lot of, a lot of whenever I play fifth edition, I'm reminded uh-huh. of how much it's, it's very AD and D in some ways. And like how uh-huh. much you need to know about the, the rule system and like what feats to take and like what right, optimal right. builds to do. If you want to have like right, the most right. amount of fun, which is, I mean, I remember playing, you know, 3.5 in college and like being like very into building characters and like yeah. build these like, you know, like we'd start a game at eighth level. And so like everybody would have done this, like, you know, it just 
it's it's just an exercise in like it's like doing your taxes like you know you're uh-huh. you're just like it's like it's more like cheating on your taxes actually i think to try and build a 3.5 character at eighth level so that you can like okay so he's vow of poverty so that means that he doesn't <laughs> yeah. take any gold but he does get plus 40 to attack for some reason and like <laughs> like all of these things it's like as long as he uh-huh. only helps poor people he's allowed to punch god in the face like, that's true. it's just like that kind of stuff which is like i think it's very appealing to a certain kind of nerd um, yeah which i was for a long time yeah so ben robbins has this great blog post about actually it's in the latest knock issue four um, about how a good player knows the rules but not like a rules lawyer, like it isn't, they're not, they're not calling you out about rules. They are, they know the rules and kind of get that it's a collaborative effort and that the, the goal of play is for everyone to have a good time and not just for them to metagame until you, um, you know, kick them out of the party or whatever. I I just feel like fifth, fifth edition has a really hard time with that. The amount of rules lawyers I dealt with when I played fifth edition versus OSR games, it's night and day. Mm -hmm. Like I just don't feel like rules lawyers are a problem in OSR games. Maybe it's just my experience, but no, I I think you're right. It's more about the spirit of the rules. And so knowing why the rule is there to begin with, as opposed to like, Oh, you can only move five feet right now. Otherwise you have to, you you have to retreat. And then you do. And it's just like, that's just knowing the letter of the law, which is like, it, I guess it's fine in a granular sense, but you don't really understand why you're doing any of those things or like what outcomes you're like looking well, right. for. It's like they know the words on the paper, but they don't understand that it's there to support a specific play experience, which in mm-hmm. old school rules means make up a ruling and if the table agrees to it, move on. And that's just not a thing that really happened. I ran fifth edition twice a week for three years and I never, I don't feel like that happened once that like that was recommended. I'm sure I could find it today, but this was back in the, whatever, this is a long time ago. But mm-hmm. the point is, I, I, I feel like the, the OSR, if I had to create a syllabus, honestly, it, it would be versions of the Presidia Apocrypha because that is to me what the OSR is, which is um, a kind of DIY folk D and D where, yeah, you go into dungeons and open doors, like Brad says, but you also depend on a flexible rule set that allows for randomness and player creativity in a way that I don't think modern games do. And so maybe the best way to teach this is to compare fifth edition and other modern games to OSR. Maybe that's how I would teach it. Here's Mm. here's a dangerous question. Okay. It's part of the reason we like OSR style games is because it's not popular and the people who have sought it out are interested in pursuing things that are not popular. Absolutely. Do you think that because there's a big obvious thing out there for people to play, that's pulling in (laughs) the annoying people? (laughs) If OSR games were more popular, would we like them less because they would, it would, we would have the pedants and the, you know, the, the rules lawyers and these people wouldn't, have moved out of the the big obvious thing for them to obsess about and be annoying with. I mean, this is my, my, I have always compared like the, like the RPG scene to sort of like music scenes. Sure. D and D fifth edition is sort of like how you two is preloaded onto an iPod. It's (laughs) just like the one you've heard of because it Uh came with the thing. 
And right. like, do you want to hang out with the person that only has U2 preloaded on their <laughs> iPod? Or do you want to like right. hang out with a person that's just like, I just heard about this band called Black Flag. Let's check them out. Like, right, you know, right. or like something more recent than that. Like, you know, but like, I, I'm, I'm sort of, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where like, you know, no, check out this is check out this pool kids EP like you know like this and it's just like that person is always more interesting to talk to I feel like right in 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 that in those like crunchier circumstances of like I'm looking for like something to that I, I'm like helping define my own sense of self right. and it's You've like gone all out of that the way like, to to find something and that it's, is it's like the, an inherently it's the D and D for you know indie kids and punks and you know goths and that sort of thing I think at the end of the day so. I will push back. Uh-huh. I'll push back t- in two ways. The first is I uh-huh. am, sh- I am positive Henry Rollins has played D and D. First off, so and oh, if it was that it was doesn't destroy my point. I should have I should have yeah, no. started with <laughs> a better with a better more actually <laughs> no, no. But indie hold, band. Hold on, but. but that's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. What I meant was, I am part of many niche groups. Okay, uh-huh. uh, like I was uh, for many years a vegan, so I was part of that niche freaking hobby or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Who care about? No, no, no. You know what? It it is, dude. When I used to buy soy milk in a can from a Chinese restaurant, you know that was the only soy milk I get. I'm just saying, like, there are these like little niche groups. Like vegans were one of them. Another one is like, you know, I wasn't ever straight edge, but I was around a lot of those kids because I didn't do anything. Um, But uh, and then finally, like co housing and worker co ops are the other two kind of niche groups I'm in. The, those have all of those groups have the worst people. So I, I actually think, like, like I actually think that it, like, I don't. It's I, the allure, single, though. Not a single one of my friends cares about Linux, another stupid niche hobby I have, or is a uh, into worker co-ops. Not a single one. You know why? Because all the people who are at conferences for worker co-ops or who are at conferences for the stupid things that I'm into are people I would never engage with in real life. It co-housing, it attracts the worst people, just huh. people I would never hang out with. And so I actually think it's the opposite of what you say, Sam. Yes, there's an element of, oh, this is punk rock D&D and it's cool. But my experience with small niche hobbies and groups has been that they attract the kind of disaffected weirdos, including myself. <laughs> I just don't, I just happen to not, it's kind of like, you know, alien abductees, not believing uh-huh. any other alien abduct- abductees. Like I- some sy- systemic <laughs> self-loathing in any hobby. Here's the thing. I, I, I need to, I need to clarify slightly. And I'm uh-huh. talking about attractiveness. I'm not talking about sustainability. Because I agree. Uh-huh. I think I have bounced around through enough, like, you know, subsets of the indie RPG sphere to say that I don't like lots of people. Uh-huh. You'll never know who because I don't say that kind of stuff publicly. But mm-hmm. I, it, it, yeah, there's just like, I mean, yeah, any niche, any niche group is going to have just like a lot of like annoying people that refuse to do things in a normal way. Like that's, that's like, that's what you're sort of signing up for. But I think it is like, it's a balancing act of like, if you are the kind of person that knows that you're not going to necessarily be able to jive with the normal run in the mill, whatever, that you're sort of like, okay, I have to get into the weird, the weirder stuff here. And I just have to make a lot of boundaries for myself. Uh-huh. But I, I I do agree, yeah. I never had a problem with 5th edition being popular. First off, it wasn't popular with literally any person that I knew in real life. So it right, didn't popular like it was, is still right. like a very niche hobby. Yeah. yeah. And then and then second, 
I I remember the feeling I have been chasing my entire life. Like I remember playing Hero Quest as a twelve year old boy, and there is a feeling like a a burning in my chest yeah. for wanting to turn it into a certain kind of story. Mm-hmm. I chased that feeling for so long, yeah, and found it in the I OSR. Feel, I feel you. I, hear I you. was I was <laughs> gravitated. Yeah. I'm just saying it's not like I was like, oh, this is hey, this is the thing the cool kids like. No way, man. Oh, I yeah. I, I, I chased some, I remember reading, uh, into the odd and uh-huh. then having to close it. And I just like stared at the wall for a while. Like I remember just like, <laughs> I, I, just, I just like, I felt like a, a uh, I had my, like my mind was a house and someone had just found a room in it that I didn't know about. Like it was just, yeah. I, I, so, so I think there is a personality template that is attracted to this specific play style for this specific reason. Uh-huh. And, and and I, I got the, I'm feeling very emotional about that. I'm very I I, I love the the hobby, I can you know? I can feel so, it, man. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anyhow, I've been staring at this cover of Castle Amber, which, by the way, has uh, apparently a rendition of Tom Moldvay on the cover, um, for like 45 minutes. Very aware of how much we've milked from this one question. So I, I'm going to move that we. Uh, there's only one face Close on this up. cover, and it's Close the up. giant. I was gonna say, yeah, is, is that's, Mulvey Tom Mulvey. The giant? that's Tom Mulvey. That's Tom Mulvey. I'm telling you, it's Tom Mulvey. Jeez, yes. sorry, Tom Mulvey. Um, it is. It is a character from one of the stories they based it off of. But I don't know. He's got that six pack, but yeah. Well, he's also a corpse. We'll talk about that. Got, <laughs> We're gonna talk about pickle that nose, man. So, I don't know. <laughs> no, it's. I'm telling you, it is a rendition of Tom Moldvay. I actually Googled to try to find good pictures of him. Yeah. And I only found one blurry profile picture that w- wasn't a good example. But I, I read from Lawrence Schick on some website mm-hmm. that that is based off of a uh, who was a playtester on this module. Um, yeah. Uh, I I read that that is Moldvay, like a fun character of Moldvay. Anyways. Anyways, let's move. Let's move on. That was a lot of that was a lot of chit chat. I'm kind of tapped, guys. I think let's call it. I know? feel like this is like a part. This is part two. <laughs> that's kind of like too much, you know. Yeah. Oh man. I. You know what, you guys? I. I. I liked it. Shut up. I'm I kidding. know. It was good. All right. It was good. Hey, I'm like SOS. You know what I mean? It's an Abba song. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> wow. All the way back. Throwback Bring to that back. earlier yeah. joke. Yeah, yeah. That, it feels like love it. a long time ago. Okay, let's yeah. move on. Let's move on. Okay, right. so I am going to just do the credits, and then um, Sam, why don't you give us the historical overview, and then Brad, you do the <laughs> story, the, the setup. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. So moving on to our main review, Dungeon Module X Two Castle Amber Chateau d'Amberville. Uh, this was written by Tom Moldvay. Edited by Harold Johnson, Edward Sollers, and Steve Winter. Developed by Dave Cook, Alan Hammock, Kevin Hendricks, Harold Johnson, Tom Moldvay, and John Pickens. The art is Errol Otis, who did the cover and some interior pieces. Jim Holloway, Harry Quinn, Jim Rosloff, Stephen D. Sullivan. It was published by TSR in 1981. Uh, It is for the D&D Expert Rules from levels uh, 3 to 6. And it is letter format. Uh, I have the POD and PDF. Um, and I think that's it. I think we're caught up. <laughs> that's, that's all the details. There so we go. tell us what this, tell us, tell us the history here. Uh, so in terms of history, there's a couple of, I think there's a couple of neat sort of noteworthy things. Uh, one being that this is the first, uh, one of the early, one of the earliest RPG products that is officially uh, licensed and based on a literary property. Um, being the world of 
Ever you all? <laughs> I know there's just literally Wait, pronunciation do want, guide. Do you it's, want? It's, oh, that doesn't don't. On. The pronunciation guide is so wrong. It's Everwanya. Everwanya. Okay, yeah, so I, first off, I said can it we just like, take a step mm, back? Let's Ever take a step back. Everwanya. I would like to provide some historical uh-huh. context for that particular se- section of the oh, okay. module. Um, so before, in terms of the pronunciation guide. It's all made up French words that Clark Ashton Smith, who was fluent in French, but it is made up. So um, don't sweat it too much. But the, the common pronunciation for that word is Averroin or Averon. It should be Averroin, yeah. Averroin, yeah. It's like, like Averroin should be what you say, but you don't have to French it up like that. Like, I don't, I don't say f- like, you know, France. I say France. So the, the um, now you say a- France. The okay. Angli- the Angli- Anglicization, Anglicization, I don't know how you say that word, um, is Averroin or Averroin, but um, it should be Averroin, uh, supposedly. Clark Ashton Smith was fluent in like five different languages that he taught himself, by the way, um, and wrote, you know, he wrote in those languages. He's a complete brilliant guy, um, but he made up every single name um, for every place that it t- this takes place in. So don't sweat it what i'm saying great proceed yeah uh so it was so it was based on this work um partially and it's it's got a lot of sort of influences from it's it's got a lot of like sort of first first drop influences like uh there's more lovecraft in this adventure than any previous uh obviously there had been some references to lovecraftian style stuff in uh, deity and demigods, deities and de- demigods, and also in, I think, an issue of Dragon Magazine. But this one had, uh, has like more of an oblique, like, you know, like, oh yeah, there's a sort of a Lovecraft monster in here. There's also, uh, Chronicles of Amber references. There's, uh, that one they did not get any, um, <laughs> any rights to. And apparently there was a, uh, thing where Zelazny read it was just like, yeah, I guess it's not actionable. Um, so, uh, there's a, there's a lot going into this. There's also some like Edgar Allan Poe going on in here. It's a real grab bag of, uh, of, uh, of old books and stuff like that. Um, it was, I think it's more well-received now than it was back then. I was looking at the, the Jim Bambra white, white dwarf review, uh, Basically, he said that it was an attempt to bring randomness back into D&D, um, but he considered it a chaotic adventure and did not recommend it for purchase, noting that it depends on a lot of chance, leaving little room for skill and at times can be deadly. Um, which, I mean, I just sound, sort of sounds like things about D&D, but, you know, this is how this is how it goes. Um, but yeah, it's sort of a I mean, it's obvious it's a it's a it's a big one in terms of. uh lists now it's it's uh, the 15th greatest adventure according to dungeon magazine in 2004 uh james malazuski pointed out uh in his review of it, it's sort of like a uh part of the pop fan uh, sorry pop pulp fantasy trilogy that uh tom oldvay did being isle of dread uh castle amber and lost city which i kind of like as a thing it is very I, th- I think it's got a lot of pulp to it and uh i mean all of it's uh, sort of literary basis makes sense for that. So it's, it's very, well, it's of, also, this is a Mistara based, right? It's, there's a, no, 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 no. This is known yeah. world. Well, there is no, uh, no, no, Mistara, it's, it's, right? 
Plan- no. There's a it, principality it, of Galantry. It's, yeah, Galantry. No, exactly. Known World is pre Mistara. Mistara was you utilized Known World stuff in its creation and adaptation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the clarification. I'm being a little bit of a pedant here, but it's. it's yeah, Galandry is Known World, but Known World is part of Mistara. Yeah, but no, Known World came first, and then Mistara became a thing, and then they sort of smushed Known World into Mistara. There you go. The winner takes it all. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> for those, just keep track of all the ABBA references for the episode. You're going to get, if you can, if you can name all of them, you get a special prize. Oh God. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, I also want to add just to that. Um, there have been multiple versions of this. Uh, I believe two additional versions of this one that was more recently put out by Goodman games. And then yeah. um, there's another one from, uh, I guess the two E days. I'm trying to remember. 95 um, Mark of Amber. Uh, that sounds right. Yeah, and it's very different. It's my. It's like it's like apparently totally different. It's yeah. It's like a sequel slash remake. It came in a box set. It had a CD. It had a map. It had player handouts. Yeah. Yeah, it had a CD. It had a CD. Love it. <laughs> they had, they renamed the castle Chateau Silaire. Oh come on. Right. Well, that that's a. They leaned in more. They removed the castle amber bits and leaned in purely to the uh, Clark Ashton Smith mm-hmm. Everon cycle. All right, so Brad, why don't you tell us what this is about? All right, so this is, I would call this a uh, trapped in a hellhole style uh, module. Uh, the concept here, there's only one hook. PCs are out wandering in, uh, in the world somewhere in some back road, and when they go to sleep, they wake up somewhere else. They're on the um, foyer of a castle surrounded by gray mist, and this mist will kill you if you enter it. So the... Uh, Player characters have no choice but to enter this castle and to try to figure out how to subsequently get out because you can't, you can't leave. <laughs> Hotel California situation. Um, so this is a capital F funhouse. This is a zany castle populated by the Amber family. The Amber family are, um, just, uh, I don't know if they're immortal, but they're very long-lived magical deviants who are banished from a world where magic is outlawed. These are all, these people all practice black magic, and they are all totally, uh, totally wild and, and doing all sorts of wild stuff in their house. Their house is the craziest house I've ever seen in my life. Um, and eventually, players are going to find themselves getting out of the house and into the land that this castle originated from. Everwanya, Everon, Everoin, whatever you want to say. Um, and it becomes a hex crawl where they, uh, PCs try to solve the puzzles to actually uh, get out of this land and into the tomb of the guy who caused all of this. Stephen Amber, the uh, uh, an Amber family member who was assassinated. Once you kind of solve the mystery of that tomb, this little uh, kind of mini dungeon, you can finally leave, and that's the that's the end. So, uh, yeah, big castle, uh, hex crawl, and then little dungeon. Um, quite a lot to pack into thirty-two pages, I would say, twenty-eight pages. Um, yeah, anything anyone else would like to add about? the setup or story or anything like that. Choo-choo. Choo-choo, you say. Uh Uh-oh, that's the sound (laughs) of a a train. I mean, yeah, if you're putting it in something else, I'd say it's a a little choo-choo, but I think 
if it's the uh, whole it's like campaign. You're saying it's a railroad. You're saying it's a railroad. That's what uh, you're saying. I think it's unequivocally one, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Oh, well, let's talk about the art. Yeah. Talk about the art, and then we will talk about, uh, then we'll have individual reviews. Uh, so the cover is Errol Otis, and it is a scene from one of the Averon books. Um, there is this story about a necromancer who's also i believe a dwarf like a someone who's a little person um who is controlling a giant zombie that he's built from thousands of dead bodies looted from graveyards and then he uses it to uh, enact revenge against those who were cruel to him for being a necromancer um and he attacks his town with a giant tree stump and there is a tower in the town um, that actually features quite heavily in uh, both the original story and later in this module. Uh, so that's that's what that is. Um, it's also, as I said earlier, supposedly a caricature of Tom Moldvay. And uh, it is very remarkable. I think it's of all the classic modules, this is the cover that I know the best. It was stood out to me um, even before I had read the Clark Ashton Smith books. I'd never put this together. I just hadn't thought about it, you know. Um, it is quite disturbing. Any comments on the cover? It's a classic. I love it. it. I mean, it's it's hard to. I mean, Errol Otis is already. I think my one one of my favorites in terms of the, especially his cover work, just for the the sort of cartoonishness and weirdness that he captures. He's just got a mm-hmm. real grasp of that. Um, Very distinct too. You always know an Errol Otis. It's just uh, yeah. I don't know what oh, yeah, certain nobody, quality to it. Yeah, nobody then drew like that. What about the back cover? How do you feel about the back cover, which is uh, the, um, what's his name, Rosloff? I actually really like that too. I do too, yeah. I love the dramatic posing of that sorcerer yeah. with the mask. The mask like, is pretty badass. I yeah, agree. this there's a lot of good use. Of, I mean, the colors are really good. It works yeah. actually really well with, he's like using like a more of a, like an Otis palette. In it, yeah, which I really and like. definitely. Yes, color-wise, sure. And then the, on the interior, there is this very iconoclastic, uh, image of like a a violent deer being ridden by a barbarian. Um, oh, the, this is the this is supposed to be the wild the hunt. The wild I'm, hunt. Not, I'm not trying to give away anything. I understand what it's for. <sighs> okay. There, what? It's not there the is, wild. It's something else. It's um. It's the. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, the, it's something else. Yeah, it's something else entirely. It's a Man of War album cover. But hate to spoil. <laughs> slight. And yeah. then and then and then there's a number of kind of um finely drawn illustrations like on page 10 for the there's a woman laying in grass yeah uh, and there's another woman on top of a unicorn that sort of thing yeah um, little illustrations little ones little everywhere. little little ones yeah great <laughs> you know facial expressions in this i'd yes. say pa- page just... 11 page 11 in the um I, I mean, I don't know how to talk about it, but the, the woman, great. the woman attacking another man. Trying is to really strangle that guy. It's so yeah, good. It, in general, I really, really like the art. Um, I do too. I think I like every yeah. illustration here. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. It's, um, they, they did a really good job of drawing scenes, which yes, I really yes, like. Yes. They didn't lean on just like, oh, you know, here, let's just draw this, you know, monster. They give it something to do, which is cool. Definitely. They're, they're illustrating scenes, but like the size that they're captured in, they're just really efficient. Like we just pack a lot of punch into each little one. You'd think like an illustration of this size, it's like, oh yeah, throw a frog there. You know what I mean? But they also have a lot of female, female representation, mm-hmm. um, like is from, for the, from the party's perspective. 
they have this like recurring woman who's wearing like a chain brassiere with a sword and yep. shield. Um, and uh, no, I just, you don't see that as often. There's some interesting faces. The only complaint I really have, and this could be a, because of the scan that I got, the province of Averroin that they give you, which is a classic map to anyone who's read any of the Clark Christian Smith books. There's no real map. So people, um, people have put this map out there and there's a reproduction of it for the, um, uh, Goodman games version of this. Mm. There's like a, they read the map and it's really nice, but it looks like this still, it is completely unreadable on the PDF and POD. Mm. Like you cannot read the, what the, uh, one of them you can read, but you know, all the other ones, I, 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 does that say Swain swamp? What is that? I don't know what that says. Um, Mine's so okay. there's, there's, mine is very hard to read. I can say the print quality of this one that, uh, the pre, the, this is POD, right? Um, from, yes, of course. Yes. Yeah. Is, uh, it's not, it's not the greatest. Uh, yeah. The, the map could really have used some, like a little bit of a, I don't know, like, I feel like anytime you have maps like this, like a key for the, for the dotted locations would actually be really nice and just number them. Instead mm-hmm. of overlaying them on the hex, because I right. feel like you're sort it's of hard to read. mashing up yeah. your information a little bit there. I, I'm sure the original looked better, but mine was very hard to read. Mm. I don't understand like the scale of the map. Like, there's a road between two cities that's like 150 miles long, and there's no towns in between them. I just don't understand. Yeah, it's all forest. How, no, that that is the pro- that is what it is. In, well, why would anyone the, make a road like that? The like, classic would, 12 mile hex too. Yes, yeah, I, I have that. I have that noted in circle just for uh-huh. you, Brad. That it says twelve miles. Because Brad, last week, Brad and I were talking about how <laughs> there's no standard for hexes, and he said, "Oh, the yeah. six mile hex is clearly That's, the standard." No, I, I would agree. The six the six mile hex, I think, is the makes the most sense when you when you like I, piece out. Like, I'm not arguing against it. I'm just saying there's no standard. That's Joel all. Joel Hines saying. talked me into the three mile hex with his blog post. I'm now that's a good. That's post. the right one, but I still think six miles. If it's not labeled, assume it's six miles. That's what I think. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I just don't understand why this road would exist. I mean, you have to assume there's some unmarked inns and services along the way, and it does say right in the middle there's an inn that the players can walk to. But correct, I'm just like, and that's an that's an inn. That's the only inn. If you've read the stories, this completely mm-hmm. works. It's all just big towns and uh, forest. That's then why? Uh, h- who's traveling sixty miles without any service? Like I don't get it. They they have fast horses and uh, it's you know like seventeen eighteen hundreds ish ish. Yeah, so. but you you would think you know hey I would set up. I a believe mile, they said that twenty the, mile. I would set up a inn twenty miles from the town where a visitor or a traveler might want to stay. I mean, it's just I believe like, the uh, setting is the thirteen hundreds. No, also. they can't. They oh yeah. Did I say if it, no? Is it thirteen hundreds? That's what it said in the book. Oh oh, I, that's I, because I, they travel. That might be because they travel back in time in the books. We'll we'll get there. There okay. is time travel in the books, and they just sort of skip over that in this. They mention it. We'll talk about it. I just think um, the open market would dictate. Some services. Yes, but it's real. The forests are really dangerous Uh in the books. Like you, the forests are considered totally off limits. Then who would build a road this long if you can't travel? No, listen. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it for now. I am very ready to dip in to talking I, about Clark Ashton Smith. Okay, very I was going to say you do you do see you do seem pretty knowledgeable on the subject, yeah. so I'm excited yeah. to. Learn. Well, I may have you might. I thought that they were setting. I thought that they said in this um, module. 
that it's supposed to be 1700, but if you're saying it was, they said 1300, that makes more sense. I just remember it wrong, I guess. Um, oh yeah, it says 1100 to 1350, um, is what Hmm. they say. And that 1100, by the way, is because of the time travel. All right. So let's move on. Let's move on. Brad, Sam. Well, let's start, let's start with our guest and then do Brad and then you. All right. I like Tom Moldvay's work generally. I think that. I think he gets, I think he gets the Saturday morning cartoon D and D that I personally enjoy. I think there is a general light hearted with dark twists sort of energy that he is bringing, uh, to a lot of his, uh, a lot of his writing. And I think this is, uh, very much in keeping with that. Um, mm-hmm. There's lots of uh, lots of encounter variety, which I like in this. It's um, it is very much not just a combat sort of module. There's lots of people in it. There's lots of stuff happening. There's lots of uh, sort of different different things to interact with and different ways to interact with stuff, which I appreciate. Um, I think. It does sometimes lean a little bit too much into like the classic D and D problem of like, uh, oops, you tried to read a book and you died. Um, which, uh, you can, that's, I think a part of a larger conversation about like D and D and whether or not you like it. But, um, uh, yeah, it's, I think the, the, the art is totally consistent with all of that sort of cartoonishness. Um, and I think it's, it's a fun house, but it's also like, it feels, it doesn't feel like random. Like it feels like you get a lot of sort of baked in storytelling through the fun houseness of it. And I think it's a really good. Um, it's, it's a good, it's a good way to like, it's sort of like a good prompt for a fun house of like a bunch of, you know, sort of crazy rich people live here. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> They're all bored wizards and they live way too long. So there's going to be some shit. Um, but yeah, I liked it. Cool. Cool. Yeah. My turn. Um, yeah, this, I mean, I, I have, I'd read half of this a number of years ago. Um, but this is the first time I sat down and read the whole thing. Um, I didn't remember how totally bonkers this is. This is like beyond fun house, fun house. Some of the stuff I, I, I'm, I'm like, I'm yelling at the book. I'm like, what? It's what? What? Uh, some of the craziest encounters I've ever seen in my life. Uh, and I really want to call, I want to call one out. I don't, yeah, this is spoilers. I'm going into the slightly deep dive territory. The green man, the green room. Yeah. I just want to talk about that. What? Uh, there you go in a room, it's painted green. There's just this, uh, giant green man there. He's holding a sword. He, and he, he basically says, Hey, you can't, uh, you can't go in the other door unless you cut my head off. And you can't cut my head off unless you use this sword. Do you want, do you want the sword? And, uh, that's true. If players say yes, they can get a sword. Uh, the green man will try to kill the person who's trying to chop off his head, but he's very clear about what they need to do to leave the room and how to. <laughs> it's how so to good. It's life. so Arthurian. I mean, it uh-huh. is basically yeah, just I mean, go, going, yeah, Gowan no, and the green knight, right? Like that's, Yeah, that is what it is. That is yeah. literally what it is. Okay. It's just, just taking very, out of context with all that, sure, great. It's tied to some some uh, some fa- some story, you know. I don't, whatever. That's <laughs> insane. That's insane. This guy's like, hey guys, yeah, you can't leave unless you chop my head off. Um, you can't chop my head off unless you have the sword. Uh, you want the sword? Okay, cool. I'm gonna try to kill you real quick. Like what? It's a what? It's a Christmas what? game. 
Um, <laughs> stuff like this all over the place. I'm saying, what? There's a morgue here now? What? Why? Uh, yes, just the level of insanity in this thing is it's Saturday morning D&D. It is wild. Um, and at first I was like, I don't, this is, this is like, I don't get it. It's too far. It won me in by the end. I was like, yeah, this is like, there's enough, uh, inanity that I think there's a lot of fun to be had here. Um, when I'm reading a module, I'm always like trying to, you know, I'm trying to read, the spirit of the work. What's the intention here? How is this encounter? What's the funnest way to run this? And I, a lot of times with this, there is just uh, peoples and factions presented without context that I find is very challenging and that you just have to rely on the, on the reaction die. Like, uh, again, very early on, you meet a faction of cat people. They're just chilling in a room. No context. What they're doing, what they want. They're just there. What, why, what do I, what should I do with them? What do they want? Like, what can they offer the PCs? Like they've got treasure. It's just like, man, what do I do with these chess pieces sometimes? So I do wish there's a little more like, um, a little more baked into a lot of the NPCs and factions about like how they fit in the spirit of this, <laughs> how they fit in the harmony of this home or disharmony of this home. Like what is their role here? Um, that would help me because, man, a lot of times I'm just like, what, what are the cat people, why do they want? Why is their leader hanging out three rooms away behind a secret door? <laughs> What's he doing there? Why isn't he hanging out with the people that he leads? I don't get it. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think some of it is just there's no reason for it, and that is, I think is very challenging for me. I like inanity when there is reason behind it, I guess, when I can say, oh, yeah, it doesn't make sense that there's a green man here, but I can understand why he would be here in the context of this work, and that eludes me uh, in a lot of these uh, encounters. Uh, I think once we get into Averroin, Averroin, Averroin whatever, Averroin, the uh, hex crawl, uh, I think it really starts singing there, and I think that's when we go explicitly into the world of Clark Ashton Smith writing, which I have only read very little of. Um, but we really zoom out, and instead of these micro rooms, we get these kind of broadly painted encounters, and I think they're all really like fun and interesting. And there's some interesting, um, like ethical dilemmas here, and different ways to go about uh, solving them. To me, that was really when it feels like, man, okay, I'm starting to get why this is a classic. Like the Funhouse is crazy, but these. Uh, like big, um, like narrative and adventures here on the hex. That I think was really singing. It loses me then again at the end of the dungeon where it's just a monster gauntlet and I'm just like, it feels like a slog. It feels like you just got to hack your way through a bunch of meat to get to the end. And, uh, I, yeah, I wish there was more inventiveness and, uh, ways of overcoming these challenges. Um, so yeah, really interesting. I, this is one that I, I'm, it's like I'm looking at the map and I can't imagine what the forest looks like. I can't imagine the mountains. You know, like I want to go live here. And this is one I really wish I had played before reviewing it because, wow, what a mysterious and weird adventure this is. Like, I want to know how this runs. <laughs> um, there, it's, it's, it sings to me with a certain song that is very intriguing, but man, it is a mysterious and weird world that, uh, I, yeah, I, I, I just, I don't feel like I understand it, I think. Um, uh, so I don't know. That's, that's kind of where I'm at. Yochai, what do you think about this one? Uh, I think this is the worst module we've ever reviewed. What? No way. <laughs> oh, my God. 
No I think way. It's, I think it's absolute garbage. I'll start from the top. Oh my God, wow. dude. Now, I will say something. I appreciate that when this was written, it was probably a lot harder to know about the green man for regular people or to know about even all these kind of lost Clark Ash and Smith stuff. So like, obviously that's kind of cool. You know, it, it, it's honestly hard to find Clark Ash and Smith stuff. Um, well, now you can find them in compendiums online and, and they just get like permission from the, um, from his, uh, estate. But, for a long time, it was hard to find these stories. So I, I do give Moldvay props for that. I think he completely destroys any of their uh, uniqueness by combining them all into one. Um, it, you know, it, in the in the books, the events and characters, which are ripped right out of the stories, in those stories, they, they take place centuries apart from one another. And, the, and, they, and they are related to one another in some ways. So it's it's frustrating how it's done um, for people who have read the stories. That said, um, that's not my problem with this. I, I actually wouldn't mind that if I liked any of the other parts. This is a funhouse dungeon in all the worst ways. It's a complete railroad. It removes all player agency and creates a basic funnel through the first half of it, uh, where if you even deviate slightly, the you know the DM is told to do certain things to make sure they do or do not encounter trap doors or that the wild hunt <laughs> happens when they step out the bat. It's so, so contrived. And there's this like Deus Ex Machina where at the end of every session, a magical <laughs> gel appears and kills you. It is the, if this was introduced today, all you all would hate it. All of you would hate it. It's, it's got all the things that I don't like except for the, or the text. The text is totally fine, but it has, um, random dudes waiting in rooms that just attack you. Yeah, in some <laughs> cases they don't attack you. It's up to a morale, to a um, a uh, reaction role. That's fine. But there are scenes where it's implied that all, all like literally the only thing written about so and so relative is related to them attacking you. There's nothing else there. So instead, you have PCs forced to go into this mansion. When they try to get out of the mansion, there are all these um kind of tweaks to make it so you can't get out of the mansion even there's even tweaks that prevent you from getting out of the mansion at the right time and if you do um make certain mistakes you disappear and then reappear later once the pcs inevitably get out of the mansion it's 100 a railroad and it's not even a good one at that second um all of the random chaos in every room, with a few exceptions, is boring, predictable, and stupid and focuses way too much on combat as the means to solve the problem and is extremely lethal, which would remove any of the fun, in my opinion, because you didn't choose to go there. So you're basically playing a grinding game. Um, now, there are a couple exceptions or things I do like. Um, I do think the Imagine people are very interesting, which are like the kind of golem-like creatures that they create. And they are just these silly kind of contests you fight. That's fine, whatever. But there are other situations that involve no critical thinking, no analysis, no interaction. They just either happen or you are attacked. It's very stupid. Now, let's move on to the, to the, to the worst of it. So I love <laughs> Clark Ash and Smith. I love, I love the Everyone series and, in deep dive, we'll talk more about that, but there is no respect for the lore whatsoever in this. In fact, it undermines and makes the lore worse by its association. There is a part in one of the, one of the, like in part seven, one of the, um, subplots 
is that you basically show up in the middle of a story and completely subsume the main character's role. It would be the equivalent of writing an adventure where you're not just in the world of Middle Earth, you are the hobbits and you, but the hobbits still exist. You just show up and they, guys, just go home. We'll do the work for you. I'm specifically referring to the uh, necromancer, the, I'm sorry, the necromancer and the giant from the cover in that story, which is a beautiful story. The protagonist is an ex acolyte of the very necromancer who is terrorizing the province and is like, the, the whole thing is terrifying because it's, it's him following all the clues to find the necromancer, then finding and getting captured by the necromancer, then escaping, then ultimately stopping and triumphing over the necromancer and being allowed to continue practicing magic as a reward, despite the, the themes of the setting. And the way he does it is exactly how they do it in the story, except he just has you do it. It completely undermines his character. And the same thing happens with the, um, the kind of witch woman that they meet who is uh who has this time potion she, she i'll go into that in deep dive but it, it it is a this is akin to taking all the lord of the rings leaving the characters but ha- but adding the player characters as um the as the major protagonists in the same world but then also having the hobbit happen at the same time as lord of the rings it makes no sense it's dismissive and silly and i really think it undermines the story of um ever so for the record i I have i I have no problem that you think you like like the the, there's like a a respect owed to the work that you no no i think i think no 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 if you mess with it it should be better when you change something it should either be better or original Uh Like some I, don't, I disagree. I think put Lando Calrissian in your game and let your players murder him. It doesn't matter. Like you don't. Uh, I'm know not saying it matters. Him. I'm saying you that know? that's worse. I'm not saying like, oh, these guys owe Averon some respect. No, uh-huh. if you're gonna mess with it, uh-huh. do be be more original than literally keeping the same story, messing mm-hmm. with the timelines, and then and then just subsuming what the other characters were doing already. You know what I would have done? I would have kept some of the cool bad guys and just not had the major protagonist from the story be there at mm-hmm. all. Why even have him there? It makes no sense. I will I will it, say it's that stupid. I think I think a problem that I I so I haven't read any of uh Clark Ashton Smith and I probably should have in preparation for this, but I didn't. Uh I I don't generally like role playing games that are set in like existing universes. Like I, I think that's just generally kind of dumb and I don't care about Mm -hmm. it. Like I, you couldn't pay me to play a game in middle earth. That sounds so boring to me. Like there's already, I know the story of what happens in the Hobbit and then I can read it if I want, which is actually like a lot easier to do than organizing a whole role-playing game session about doing the Hobbit or whatever. Um, so for me, it was just like reading through those like prompts, like the Averonia stuff in this, like I, I had had a similar experience to Brad when I originally, I'd read this a couple of years ago and then more recently finally like read the whole thing and I hadn't read the end part. And like that to me, it feels like that's the part where it really sort of goes off the rails in a lot of ways, which is saying something because like, I, I agree. There is a lot of, there is a lot of fun housing. There is, um, there is limited, uh, choice making in terms of like the direction that you're heading with a lot of this stuff. Do you have the onion soup or the toss salad? Who knows? It that, could kill you. It could make you powerful. Who knows? Yeah, this is, well, this is Kenyatta what I was, D&D. yeah, this is what I was saying about the, like, you read a book and it accidentally kills you where it's just like, uh-huh. that's, that stuff is, 
like there has to be some sort of like tell for those sort of things. Otherwise it feels really stupid. And you also green beans are not magical. It's important to know that. It's interactivity. There's not a lot of interactivity and clues. There are these random, I think like three clues or whatever. Mm -hmm. You have to find this scroll. Um, Mm -hmm. None of it relies on player agency or intelligence. By the way, I'm going off about the Everone stuff. I have way less of a problem with that than the overall module itself. If, Mm. if, if it was a good module and it was set in everyone and it just, in my mind, made the setting worse as a result, that would just be a comment I would make. But if it was good, who cares? But it's not good, you guys. It's, this is not a good module. Every room we run into is another random stupid encounter that has (laughs) no agency involved whatsoever. It's, it's stupid and bad. And you guys, are wrong. Okay. It's not good. I don't know. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I just, I just really don't like it. That's, that's fine. Um, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to come at it from, from what I like about it, just so that you understand a little bit better, because I don't disagree with your assessment of like the ways that like the encounters and stuff aren't, uh, the best, but I do, I like the, I like the aesthetic of it, which is maybe just like, something that you don't care about as much, but like there are, mm-hmm. I think there's a number of, there's a, I, I see a lot of potential in it. And I think that's one of the things that when I review these, I am always, I, I, I look at a lot of these with um, collage intention. I feel like I yeah. see them yeah, yeah, and I say, yeah. Ooh, I really like, I really like the, like the imagery that they provided here. And then yeah. I'll just go in and like fix all the stuff that's dumb about it because that's like the point of playing D and D in my mind, um, or at least <laughs> yeah. half of it. Um, and so I think I sometimes will look past stuff like that. That is like, not, not good. Like the, like the feast thing is like, very dumb. Like it's annoying that you can't like, there's no like meaningful choice there. And it's just like, you get presented with options and you say yes or no. And sometimes if you say yes, you'll die. And sometimes if you say no, you're die, you'll die. And there's no real like way of telling outside of like, I guess you can detect magic on the food to like know if whether or not it's magical, but like depending on the way that your DM rules that spell, like it's not going to necessarily like give you the information about it. So there's things like that that are like very irritating, but then there's just like all sorts of stuff in it there. It's just like, Oh, I really like that. There's like a, you know, there's like an indoor forest, like in a dome and that there's a wild hunt going on in there. And like the guy that's leading the wild hunt has like a Ram's head and he's riding a deer. And like, then he's got like all of these like cat people, well, and dog people. With hold him. on. Like, hold on. Should we deep dive first before? I feel like it'll just save us a lot. of. There's a lot. There's more to talk about that has to be deep dived. And yeah, I, I would, I would like that because I have a very, feel, so. I have a very bad sense yeah. of like, what is deep dive and what isn't. So like, I think we should, right. definitely no, no, that's get okay. I just, <laughs> it actually doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, thanks. Well, that's always your answer. Um, all right, let's just, <laughs> let's just deep, let's deep dive castle Amber starting. Okay. Now, yeah. give me, give me, give me that deep dive. Deep dive. Spoilers, 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 spoilers. Okay. First off, I forgot to mention how stupid <laughs> the French translations of the names are. I mean, if you if you <laughs> don't like, like to if you so don't dumb. like hilarious <laughs> jokes, maybe. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. Hey guys, is it is it Charles or Shao? Like, <laughs> I like the Jeanette to Johnette to Janet. That's one of my favorites. Um, it's like a guide on like how to do a stupid French accent, though, which is like kind of funny. Can I tell you what it reminds me of? 
Okay, there is a episode of Star Trek the Lex the, the Next Generation where um Data, the humanoid android, right, is saying it's in French, an obscure language, to the <laughs> character called Jean-Luc Picard. He yeah. says this and and, and that's what this reminds me of is is like it's meant to evoke some kind of exotic exotic this it's french it's not mm-hmm. exotic english has like 15% of it is owed so to french it's, 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 not- it's exotic to someone you know that's that's the point of exoticism it's all it's i feel like we have to include french in exoticism otherwise exoticism gets pretty weird uh, i mean it's already weird but <laughs> listen listen i just need to know Every time you say William Amber, you mean Guillaume d'Amberville. Every time. Just just put that in parentheses. I, I just No, it definitely is silly. I just like I just like silliness, I think, in my in in this way. Yeah, I know you have to like silliness and railroads and <laughs> I don't yeah. like rail no, stop it. I don't like railroads, but I do like silliness. You can't lump those things together. Excuse me. I meant I meant to say um, uh, fun yes, houses. that's true. I, I do like fun houses, yes. Um but all right, let's take a step back. Um, Brad, hey, what's really going on here? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> well, um, I don't remember what the deal is with Stephen Amber. Did someone kill him? So he got locked away. He got locked away in this like tomb. And he okay. is psychically pushing the adventurers to come and help him out in the most okay. weird. If he there can we heal them, why can't he just tell them what to do? So his magic, and this is like I think one of the sillier parts of it, but whatever. You, when this, also very interesting and insightful into how D and D was like quote meant to be played, and that it proceeds in real time. You know, like when you're not playing, a week goes on in the game, um, because when the session ends, you're stuck in the house still, but like a magical mist surrounds you and heals you and lets you just camp for the week without danger until the players are you know again portraying their or the players are again portraying their characters next next week um there's a lot of video game logic in this one really yeah, yeah it's really, so you get like right save and exit which also heals you which is like also adds a weird strategy about like how long you're going to play in a certain week <laughs> you know if you just got wrecked by yeah. the cat people it's like oh i gotta go home tonight guy. <laughs> like your character survives like, yeah. i super i super wouldn't include it if i if i ran it honestly it, it takes away a lot of the tension i think of a of a trapped in a hellhole kind of yeah game. but also you have to make consolations for like this is a huge dungeon like you can't complete this castle in one week so how are you going to heal? Like, how are you, like, you can't, you have to like figure out a way to get a, char- a character through that. Otherwise they're just going to get killed by the amoeba in room three or whatever. Um, yeah. Anyway, whatever. So Steven Amber wants you to help him, but his tomb is locked in like an interdimensional tomb divorced from time and space. So you have to find all these magical items. You have to pour like a time travel potion on a sword and whack a magic mirror with it. And then there's all these things are lost in Avrawanya. So you have to get out of the mansion to get to Avrawanya. Um, but even that is not straightforward. You have to find the portal in the basement. <laughs> but you have to find the cl- the clues about how to find the items before you exit the castle. Um, which I admire. I appreciate at least there's three ways to find those. There's like a piece of paper you need, but yeah. it's in three places. I, fine, fine. Uh, I feel like it would be so confusing to try and like 
for the players to like understand that the items aren't in the castle. Mm, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good and point, like actually. that that they that the items themselves aren't the keys that unlock the door, and that instead it's just like four silver keys that unlock, or however many silver keys. Because yeah, I I will say there is a lot of that. Um, yes, as Yuhai has pointed out already, like there's, and Yuhai, there's a lot of like, and if they can't figure it out, just hand wave it. <laughs> I think you're right to some degree that I'm giving this more of a chance because it has a reputation of being a classic, and this has been one that's been played a million times and appreciated and you know the number 15 in dungeon magazines top top 50 dungeons of all time that (laughs) not for nothing pal okay uh you know so it's got a sun brother in it but there is like a lot of i agree with sam the vibes are are strong (laughs) i like you're in this giant castle castle's enormous even the scale like all the rooms are huge uh, really big and there's a weird sense of humor that i kind of dig like i really here's one that really spoke to me let me find my notes. Um, again, it's stupid. It is stupid, but it's also kind of funny. So that's a good combination for me. Um, let me see. It is the uh, room with the slimes. Um, let me see if I can. Oh, he's like slime on the floor and a black pudding. Yeah, you ceiling. go in, you see a treasure chest, and the floor looks slimy. And you're like, and uh, and and the the and the treasure chest is kind of shiny. So if you walk in the room, the floor is slime and it jumps up and attacks you. But if you're smart enough to try to like swing across the room, the ceiling is also covered in a dark slime that falls on you. And then the treasure itself, it's shiny because there's another slime on top. It's just like, you think you're going to try to be smart, but you're not because this room is so, uh, it, it's this dumb sense of humor that, you know, I don't know. I can. I can. I, can I completely get understand. That for some like reason. one part that I thought was really yeah. funny is on page ten where it says, uh-huh. "Underneath the altar at the front of the chapel is a trap door leading to an underground passage to room fifty in the dungeon, part six. If the party has not already adventured in the east wing, part five, the DM <laughs> is advised to ignore the trap door until the party has explored the section in the mansion. The DM <laughs> should crap. make sure, however, that the party eventually <laughs> finds one of the two entrances to the dungeon. Do you uh-huh. understand what a railroad is? I just. Can't stop harping on this oh, enough. You all, yeah. I need to hear from both of you it is. that this is a railroad and that you agree. I just need to, to, to set that down. Yes, it's stupid. And yes, it <laughs> works I for st- you. I struggle with a non, it's, there's some non-linearity to here. But oh, there really? Is like where you step off, if it. you step off the path in the garden, you get attacked by the wild hunt, right? That's the non, is that what you meant? Is Sorry, I'm coming off as very acidic <laughs> right now. And it's just... Or is it acerbic? Yeah, you're, you're pretty mad about I just, this one. I am not a person. Do you know what nostalgia is to me? It's an unidentified place. I, <laughs> it's something that I've never had. Like when I think about nostalgia, I think about a concept that I've never personally experienced. So when people talk about how they how they love nostalgia, nostalgia. No, no, I'm just defining it for me. I don't know what it's like for the people and I'm not sorry to say yeah, what yeah. it is. When people say they like nostalgia, I don't understand it. And to me, I, so let's just say I'm immune to it with respect to this stuff. And so all I can see is if you change the name of every person involved in this, this would be a like one star on drive through RPG. I don't think it's good. I think the art is good. I think the art is good. I think the content in Aroin is, um, I can see why you would find it. I think it does a decent job of making that world feel real. And that's because it's pulling from something really beautiful. I don't think it's because of anything that it is doing itself. I actually think they they have some 
real misses in the um, Averroin section. Like, they didn't use the Toad Mother, who is this... There is this great story about this apothecary who goes to get some herbs from this, like, bog witch. And she gives him... She, she um, date rapes him, basically. And but the what the potion she gives him make doesn't make her see it doesn't make him see her as a beautiful woman. It makes him see her grotesqueness as beautiful, which is kind of an interesting idea. And most of Clark Ashton Smith's Everone books are about three things. They're about the hypocrisy of the religious. They're about how women are devils who want to seduce you. And obviously that's ridiculous, but that is what they are about. And they're about evil people <laughs> who maybe have some redeeming qualities. And I don't hmm. know how representative this is of those, uh, you know, you all reading them. So I don't know if you got that from this, but like there is the story of Silaire that they talk about, which is basically she's a reborn, not succubus or Lamia. She's more of a, a Greek goddess who seduces you. And then you stay with her forever. She doesn't like eat you, but you like lose yourself. And it's told from, is this Sephora? Sephora. What did I say? Solaire? Sorry, I meant Sephora. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Solaire. Sorry. It's the sword yeah, yeah, of Solaire. Yeah, yeah, of course. But yeah. it's the Sephora, Sephora thank you. Is the guy. So so she's the Chatelon of Solaire. Um so she there but the, that story is about the hypocrisy of the religious and it's about this like young um uh traveler who's um like a, a educated man and he stops at this abbey that's where people sleep by the way brad is they sleep in like abbeys he stops in this abbey and he's like getting in all these great conversations with the abbot and then the abbot shows him all the books he has and the guy like loves literature so he, he's so happy he spends hours in this guy's library and the guy says don't look in this drawer i'm gonna go talk to some people <laughs> and then of course the guy looks in the drawer <laughs> and he finds this like um uh, this first person narrative of a story wherein someone meets Sephora and falls for her. And he like completely does the same thing as that guy. He like reads the story and he goes on. And it's it, it, the story is about how the abbot tries to stop him, tries to save his soul basically. And most of the stories are like that. They're about how, yes, there are evil things like werewolves. And there's even this like demon creature that takes the spirit, takes the body of a, of a religious figure but how the the true evil is men themselves and not not the the magical stuff happening but that men's greed and stupidity is what leads to their being evil and the best story of all of them is in this and it's about a guy who is is um he finds out that the devil has taken the place of one of the abbots and he tries to go and inform the pope of this or the their like you know religious head and the de the devil abbot is like hey to one of his underlings, you need to go stop that guy. So the underling dresses up in a different costume, hunts the guy down, has a beer with him, and then poisons the guy's beer. But the poison he gives him is a time potion that sends him back in time. And he goes back in time to the time of the druids, and he meets this witch woman who's like super hot, and he falls in love with her. And they stay together for a while, but eventually he needs to go back into the future in order to... to to warn his religious leaders. Now she, this woman, doesn't want him to leave. So she gives him a potion that he lets him come back, but she secretly gives him too much potion, sending him too far into the future. So when he arrives in the future, he's already missed. All the stuff he tried to stop has already happened. So he says, ah, oh, screw it. And he goes back in time and he lives with this girl. And that's the end. That's the story. The good guys lose. And they take that story 
and then just make, they take the characters and put them in the same time period as everybody else. And then they just have them interact with you in a weird way. And I, there's just like nothing interesting about it. So to me, they took the shell of a story, which I'm fine. Do whatever you want with the story. Mm. The author doesn't own it anymore. Right. But at least do something interesting that doesn't completely undermine what was good about it. Okay. I feel like I'm mm. on my high horse here, but that's fine. Well, what, I just don't really. Yeah. But. Yeah, but what about like the ogre that kills the girl and then pretends to be the girl in under the covers and he, like wears? I like that ogre. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's actually really great. I agree. I'll give you that. Like that's. I think. I think that there's like there's enough little things like uh-huh. that in this that I, that like won me over. Yeah, I think that's the. I think that's the yeah. big thing yeah. here. Is yeah. just yeah. Like, the ogre yeah. thinks he's a princess. The the ogre legitimately thinks. Yeah, it's and like and then like of yeah. There's like there's like little things like that. Princess and the unicorn just chilling in the forest. Like th- like there's so many I, weird X factors. Like what do you do with that? I want it. That's such like a powerful faction right there. And I don't know. Like I could see that totally painting this with different shades depending how players interact with stuff like that. I think it's very much like you know Brad. You're always talking about the like you can't judge it for what it isn't, only for what it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think that this module, like many modules from this era, are like they're written in such a way where like you have like they give you like all of these sort of like toys to play with uh-huh. and then they don't give you all the information. So the idea is that you're supposed to like figure out what you're supposed to do with them and they give you a couple of boundaries right. and restrictions there. But like because like I've spent a lot of time thinking about like, okay, what would I do with like the, the gold dragon and the unicorn that are best friends hanging out in the woods? Like, uh-huh. I feel like there's something there and it's like the, I think just like the, the, the act of chewing on that and trying to, there's yes. also, there's squirrels with magic, not ma- golden acorns. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. There's just like dumb shit uh-huh. like that, that just like, it's very charming to me. Like, yeah. I think there's a lot of things in this that are very charming to me and it makes me ignore and like not really care about uh-huh. things like I mean, because here's the other thing about I we 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 talk a lot about railroads in the hobby. We talk about it a lot on this podcast. I have a lot of opinions about railroads. Do you know who doesn't have any opinions about railroads? It's like ninety percent of people that play. True. Um, <laughs> sure. It's sure. it's one of those things where like nobody gives a shit because they're all like eating pretzels and drinking beer and making jokes and like everybody's just there to like hang. At least at my table, I know uh-huh. you're not allowed to eat no. pretzels. At your guys <laughs> You can be like Brad and stand in the yard. <laughs> That's yeah, you're playing yard D&D. Um, <laughs> but I think there is a lot of sort of memorable silliness there's a also there's there's yeah. something that's like it as soon as i read it i literally started working on another one of my like like just pictures from a module uh-huh. zines Sweet. that i've done <laughs> in the past yeah and it's the and it's the it's the entrance to the kingdom of ghouls. Oh man, I love the entrance to the kingdom of ghouls. I'm just gonna read it. I'm just gonna read it. In yeah. the middle, uh, in the middle of the room is a ten foot wide pit. The pit is guarded by six hideous beasts like humans. The humans are ghouls. Uh, they are guarding a pit which leads to an underground labyrinth. The labyrinth eventually leads to the land of the ghouls. While the land of the ghouls plays no part in the adventure as written in this module, the DM can create an underground labyrinth and ghoul kingdom to supplement <laughs> the adventure if he or she desires. At the bottom of the pit, 70 foot deep, is a treasure chest containing 3,000 gold pieces and a spear plus three. I, I, as soon as I saw, like, uh-huh. heard, like, pit, 
with six ghouls. Like I had this in my head. It's just immediately yeah. is like, there's just like these weird like ghouls. And like in my mind, they're all like standing in a way that their arms are like crossed, creating some sort of like weird pentagram yes. around the like, you know, like the kingdom of ghouls where like all sorts, what the kingdom of ghouls, it's the kingdom of ghouls. Right. That's just the coolest <laughs> yeah. shit in the world. Yes. And that's the kind of stuff that I'm a sucker for. Yeah. And so that's why I think I like this so much. I mean, I look, I don't disagree. I just don't know why he couldn't apply that same logic to the like seven things you have to fight in the tomb, which one after yeah. the other. Like, oh, what? the the two. I listen, even when even I, I reached my limit at the tomb. The tomb is bullshit. It's really bad. It's stupid. It's 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 MMO. It's it's very much just like it's EverQuest. It's wow. It's just like go in, fight the things because you want to get the loot from them uh -huh. and you're going to do it next week anyways. And you're just like hanging out with your buds. You don't even get loot yeah. from these things. You just no, fight each one of them. Oh, I guess you get tr dragon treasure of 86,000 silver pieces. Yeah, some of them are better than others. I do think, um, I want to agree with Sam. There, there are some tantalizing- It depends tantalizing, on if you use monster parts as loot. Yeah, there you go. There's some tantalizing like absences here. Like the stuff that is that they, that um, Moldvay chooses to not did, like speak more of I feel like is is what draws me in sometimes. Like the unicorn and mm -hmm. the princess in the forest. Like what? Like, what? There are also, I think, a few times where there's some wasted potential with that, though. Um, like, yeah. they're like, okay, we've talked about the the dinner where you get meal after meal of magical food, and it all does something crazy. It's pinata dandy. You don't know what you're gonna, what's gonna pop out of the pinata. You just whack it. I do think that's fun to a degree, but yeah, you're not getting any telegraphed information there. Um, but then the food is coming from a kitchen, right? And we got like a bridge to the kitchen. It doesn't tell us anything about the kitchen. It just says, "Oh, yeah, there's a kitchen here, and there's I think there's goblins or something making food." It's ghost. It's ghostly hobgoblins ghostly that run the kitchen. And they do not interact with yeah, you. Yeah, they're nice guys. Oh man, just I was fun. like, "What? You're not telling me more about there?" I feel like, come on, we had to have something more in the magical kitchen. There is missing. You know, there's missing kitchen. Any, in, anytime you have a kitchen, you have to have something going on in the kitchen. One more thing. There's a church wing, right? And up on the um, balcony is there's like fifty. Like frozen dead people and an organ and if you play the organ the dead people all sing i'm like good yeah god this is wild that's very i think that's an elric reference because there's a uh -huh. there's in an elric story there's a an organ that's made of uh eunuchs that are strapped to it and <laughs> when they get poked uh -huh. they make a particular <laughs> sound so there's just like uh -huh. you know somebody in mel nibonet is just like playing the unicorn <laughs> organ at the beginning of the story like it's 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 seared there, into my brain and was, i assume that that's what that that's was Joe, a, a, a room that was like holy cow that's a that's a scene right here but it doesn't contribute to anything it doesn't do anything There's nothing to it. it's just there because it's like a what an idea is it, i feel the same way about the brain collector the brain collector is yeah, so yeah. it's so random it like wild. They, it's a whole doctor who they episode, crossed right? over <laughs> from a different dimension and they uh -huh. just like took up shop in this place yeah. it's so weird it's but it's yeah sort that's of the like, sort of overt lovecraft thing definitely but to me also the like collector. this pile of weird little frayed bits that don't really go anywhere is another thing that somehow like gives it some kind of weird like I don't know like it's this is like a dog you found at the pound it's like a weird mutt you don't know what this thing is it's something appealing about this thing it's this weird mishmash mm -hmm. of stuff that doesn't seem to add up but yet like the incompleteness of a lot of these uh, edges kind of I think give it some kind of appeal that is hard to uh, to summarize so I'm not going to push back against that I think you have a point there yeah but I do think. The sum is not greater than the whole of its parts, especially when those parts are on a 
very specific path, which you're not really supposed to deviate from. And it's not just said directly, it's in the design. Uh, and I, I would, I would suggest that we move to intimate connections because I actually think that's where this gets interesting. Uh, if you guys are okay with that, or Ooh. do you want to say anything else first? Totally. Okay with that? No, I think that's, a, that's okay. Okay. So there is a, yeah, I, there is a post from, um, Hill, the Hill Canton's blog called derailing castle Amber, which, uh, I actually only found after we started this call uh, looking for better maps. I was looking for better maps. One of which I sent to you guys in the chat. You should look at. I've yeah, I've been looking at them. They're really good. Um, but the, his suggestions are actually really good. And I think would make the, um, get, make the adventure much more interesting to me. So I do agree that it's, you can use it to, as a jumping off point, certainly. And, um, this one, and I think there was one from Gus L as well that talks about how to make this less of a railroad would certainly help a little bit. I would not, what this makes me want to do is make a Averroin inspired, um, setting that is totally distinct, but does a better job paying homage to that, you know, inc incredible series. So that that's my intimate connections. Huh? Okay. Uh, I think my idea for intimate connections was, uh, I had two, let me see. Uh, the first one is, uh, I said, you should start the game in reverse and everybody should be French peasants and that are, uh, forced to hide their magic using because they live in Averonia. Uh -huh. And then you have to gather all the items to make your way through the silver door so that you can go through the palace in reverse. Reverse and, it. Uh, and then, uh, become like, you know, magic user kings <laughs> in the known world. That's a cool twist. I like that idea. Yeah. Um, and then the other one is, uh, sort of, uh, it's just that the castle, the castle as a gateway to another world is something that I enjoy a lot. Um, but it, it's also because I think it's very Zelda. Yeah. I think, uh, you could, you could combine this with silver princess somehow into a sort of, I think this is, there's another, there's another factor that makes me continue liking this. And because I, I will buck nostalgia all day because I am 35. I didn't, I have no history uh -huh. with this. Um, but it, I do like a castle. Yeah. And I think I'll make a lot of, I make a lot of allowances uh -huh. for dumb shit because I like a castle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I like, I like when there's like, it's a castle, but it's also the whole thing is a gateway and you have to get all the keys. Like there is a little bit of like gamer brain that I have where it's just like, you have to gather all the keys to get to the door. And then when you get through the door, then you can get the magic <laughs> sword and then you crack at the mirror and then you can go and release, you know, uh, you know, Steven from the thing and then you burn it down and then the castle disappears. And it's just like, I won. Oh, <laughs> uh -huh. like, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> By the way, when you like finally free Stephen Amber at the end, you like you burn whatever his tapestry to you burn the tapestry. It, yeah. Like I didn't realize that there was an extra page after that. It, it is such a funny denouement. He's just he wakes up. He's like, "Thanks, yeah. I've been asleep for a long time. Thanks a lot." And I thought that was the <laughs> he end. just gives and you like, like a slap oh, on the ass and walks God, out. God, how could that is this absurd ending? But then he like grants you a bunch of wishes and gives you money and stuff. Yeah, there's witches and it brings uh -huh. people back to life. Yeah. Just like the texts that were granted for like freeing him. It's so funny. We get actual texts and it's just he, him being like, thanks a lot. It's, it's once Steven <laughs> has rewarded the players, he will uh -huh. thank them again, speak some arcane words and with the grand gestures uh -huh. disappear in a billow of smoke. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So I like a uh, trapped in a hell hole style dungeon. I've written a few of them. Uh, I actually have uh, written one in collaboration with uh, Skullboy Sam Amelli in uh, on this, oh, yeah. this very show. Uh, oh, yeah. I like the challenge of a dungeon you're trapped in and you have to get out. It's you get built-in hooks, 
very clear goals. You know, I, I, I appreciate that. Reading this, I'm wondering um, what what is gained by making this a trapped in a hellhole style dungeon? If you could leave, does this lose anything? And I'm kind of struggling to say yes. Um, yeah, if, I, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you. I, you know, I, I'm wondering if we expand the castle. It's if the Amber family is a, a a presence in the world. If they're like, you know, uh, you know, they're taking peasants and bringing them in to torture them, you know, and if this is like we're standing up to the oppression. You mean if you had a reason right. to go there? Yeah. Well, that changes everything. Yes. And then, and then, yeah. uh, go farther. And we know that there's a gate to another world in the dungeon. We already know that. That's why we're going in. You know what I mean? If we're, if we just like tweak the hook, I guess, if we know the Ambers are villainous and we want to stop them, if we know that there's like a benevolent one that we can restore to, bring back peace to the kingdom. And if we know we can get to another world through by going through the castle, uh, how does that change it? I don't feel like it would make this worse. I kind of feel like it, it's a fun house. You that- don't even need Steven at that point because uh-huh. like if you were, if you took away the mist and then took away Steven Amber, what uh-huh. would it change? Like you'd st- if you had a reason to explore this place, that wasn't being trapped in there and the answer wasn't uh-huh. Steven, you would just have a world to explore. I, I think, it, I think I'm agreeing right. with you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think so too. I it's, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of stuff that it's like, they're trying to, it's like they were, he it was like forced to be a trapped in a hellhole, uh-huh. And so there's a lot of stuff that's like trying to work around that Yeah, in very gamey ways. So it doesn't weird. really make a lot of Why sense. Why wouldn't you just, you know, like um, the magic go to sleep gel is just such a weird like that's it it's a very strange it's kind of like how dare like, you <laughs> you know like are you well kidding? and it's i think it removes mm-hmm. like i think a lot of interesting potential for faction play because there are so many just like random people that you could be mm-hmm. like making friends with some of them and like you know mm-hmm. using like their area as a home bit like maybe you make friends with a ricasta and then you hang out there with them yeah. and like but then you get some friction with like maybe their leader doesn't like that and then you know there's like just there's interesting mm-hmm. story potential there yeah if you if you are forcing them to be trapped the whole thing also i completely didn't say this before but it kind of works for intimate connections it really reads like a precursor to ravenloft mm. hey like, that's sure. it's got sure. it's got mist it's sure. got it's got yeah. you know other land it's got wow. um you know like all this kind of weird stuff it it feels like ravenloft was like trying to take this and consolidate it into like a better castle and use Dracula instead of, you know, Clark Ashton. Well, I kind of like that idea, like just expanding the Amber family into like Strahd level of like villain. I mean, they, you know, and expand their reach beyond the castle to be like, you know, they're powerful, but they're preying on the world. They are like, you know, uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Villainous rulers of the duchy or whatever. Uh, I kind of like yeah, that. Yeah, and like some of them live here and maybe some of them like are in like out out of the castle. Uh-huh. Like you have like a like they've they've got like sort of like traveling that they do and so like different times a year that you play the module maybe like there's like different ambers. They, also, the Goodman Games version apparently does have a like an actual roster of ambers. That's good. Like all of them yeah. and gives them all like personality like 
each of them have a personality and like, I think some like interconnections like within the family uh-huh. and goals and stuff, which I think goes a long way towards oh, yeah. uh, improving upon the form of what's going on here. That was a challenge, especially like there's some, some wandering ambers on the random encounters table. I just sort of, I just gave up at Uh one point. It was just like, Oh, there's just like a lot of them and they, some of them don't matter. And they're like there to be like, you know? Yeah. Oh, here, here's Mary Helen Amber. And what is she? Uh, well, we don't know. She's got a magic sword. That's it. That's all we know about her. It's sort of like a, uh there's like some, like, it's almost like a, just like a bit of just like, Oh yeah, there's another Amber that you, Uh it's like, I'm Mary Helen Amber. And I, this is my little story. And it's just like, the party is just like too desensitized at this point. It's like, Oh God, a fucking another one. Yeah. Okay. So I think I would expand castle Amber into being like a, it's not a hell. It's not a prison. It's this like, it's this kind of palace, Test, you know, palace of debauchery and wickedness of like vampire like rulers. And, um, yeah, you're going in because you hate them and you want to steal their treasure and you maybe, you know, you can get to a better world through their basement. <laughs> like, what does that mean? Uh, that could be cool. Yeah. That could be cool. I don't know though. Oh, it also has tarot cards, which is another, it's another like Raven Lofty thing. It is. Yeah. You got the, the fortune teller, which is another yeah, total yeah. pinata D and D. It's like, oh, you. <laughs> Uh, so when I ran Curse of Strahd, I just completely uh-huh. didn't use that part because it was uh, the first time I tried. It, mm-hmm. it, oh, no. It, yeah, it was. Well, like, putting aside <laughs> all the I actually think I even had like a printed out version of them, but it was just so complicated and not interesting and hard to fit in and felt I, I just I didn't. I ran the whole thing. And I remember that part being really um, not my cup of tea, that specific portion of it. But I, I can see why some folks like using tarot in their games. I mean, that's cool. Yeah. I, I yeah. did it when I ran Ravenloft, but it's a lot more straightforward. It's just kind of like where, where is stuff? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's supposed yeah. to set up story seeds in the, in Curse of Strahd, yeah. um, which did they end up redoing it by the way? I can't remember. Curse of Strahd, did they, Curse, to like get, you know, to, to like get rid new, of the like, like you know, Roma. They're doing some cultural Roma sensitivity stuff. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did yeah. they end up redoing it? I think they've, I, it's possible they've updated it in like digital files. Okay. I don't know if there's been like okay. a new printing of it. There's going to be like a deluxe I, I thing really too, I think. I remember seeing like a hundred dollar box version of it. Oh yeah. Cause there's, I mean, Ravenloft, Ravenloft, Strahd, like all that stuff. Like there are people that think that oh, is I, yeah. I'm aware. just. Cat, yeah. I mean, you, I'm mean, saying you've run it, you know, like that's like, I know people that that's the only D and D they play. Yeah. It's just like, they've had like eight to 10 year right. campaigns just that are just in that. Yeah. You, you have know, to really like, Barovia. right. Like that kind of, there's another misty shrouded place you can't escape from. Um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I think, uh, I think Mr. Tracy yeah. Hickman may yeah. have, uh, done a little bit of, uh, yeah, research. right. I, I, it's true. You're right. You're right. Okay. I don't think I can continue crapping on this. I'm I'm done. Um, do you guys have any other final right. thoughts? Is that boxing match is sort of fun. I don't know. Boxing guess, match yeah, is fun. Know. There's a lot of fun, man. There's a lot. There's of a lot. Of, it's a lot. It's a lot of dis- disconnected nonsense. I think it. You, it's like a gumball machine, and you're yeah. like gum for dinner. No thanks, you know. Right. But you know, little you can yeah. be like, oh, yum 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 yum. Yeah. Little no, yummy, but this yummy is, bits here. And this there, is a candy know? store you can't escape from. You know, this is yeah. I've never been a fan That's of it. candy. Um, so, all right. Not a fan of candy. Not a fan. You heard it here, not folks. A <laughs> not a fan of candy. I, I say, I actually, I, I say, gimme, gimme, gimme when it comes to candy. That's I, what I say. I feel like candy is very mood dependent for me. There are times where I feel like a big grumpy yuchai and hey, I don't I'm like not candy. grumpy. Oh, come on. And then, 
<laughs> you don't. You just don't <laughs> to like candy, candy uh, or ice cream. <laughs> and, <laughs> I was gonna say, and that's that's uh, okay. what about sorbet? No, I don't like Frozen how cold yogurt? it is. It's so and, cold. It's yeah. What about hot that's ice cream? Not, that's no. I have microwaved ice cream and drink it. I have done that. But go ahead, Brad. Yeah. Oh, that sounds yeah, awful. Yeah, that's that's uh, they used to lock you up for that kind of thing. <laughs> Deviant behavior right there. When I first moved to the U.S., we had never- (laughs) this guy take a cold shower. We had never had a microwave, and I remember Mm. putting one of those little plastic bears full of honey in the microwave, and it exploded. (laughs) I remember that. Yeah, Yeah, don't put the plastic bears. Anyways, all right. That's enough Uh of that. Um, This has been Between Two Cairns. You can reach us at between two cairns at gmail.com and we have a Patreon at patreon.com slash between two cairns. Thank you to Bobby McKelver for our music and direct son for the bumpers. Uh, Sam, you are more than welcome now to pitch your own website and how to reach you and all that stuff. Oh, thanks. Uh, you can find all my stuff at betterlegends.com. I just started working on uh, a comic that is based on my solo D&D adventures that I've recently gotten into. Uh, and so you can find out what happens to all of my cool characters uh, in the comics that I make based on uh, what happened to them already, which I know uh, is going to be heartbreaking for some oh, of the man. readers. And let me tell you something I haven't said to you about this, Sam. I don't like these comics. I love them. Okay? <laughs> I think they're terrific. What's the name of one character from the uh, we actually don't. So canonically, they don't have names yet because. So the 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 way that I built it is that uh, characters that go on a first delve together don't share their names with each other until they make it back successfully from the first delve. So they're all just refer to each Lore. other by their titles right now. And so once they get once whoever makes it back from the first delve makes it back, if anyone does, um, I'm giving nothing away. Uh, there will be like an exchange of names that happens, okay. but. Right Great. now, uh, okay. I can't actually reveal okay. that information. Okay. Uh, well, where can people find your work? Uh, betterlegends.com. Also, uh, better underscore legends on Instagram, uh, at betterlegends uh, on Blue Sky, uh, betterlegends on Tumblr. I'm all over the place. You just you just Google we'll me, figure baby. It out. Okay. And um, yeah, we should be back uh, next week with another module to review and I think another guest, I believe next really? week yeah we are having another guest uh i, I don't think so nope, we are it's going to be the week se- off man. seven silver spheres and uh gone fishing i believe will be our next review both of them yeah that's small i thought we we're gonna pick one no we're doing both oh, man, we're doing come both. On. wait are those adventures those or are, people those oh, are okay. adventures. <laughs> i will Sorry. tell you it's like i don't know sometimes i'll, you I'll tell you we do have a guest and um, actually, he, I think that might be the week after that. Nope, it's next Tuesday, next Thursday, rather. Yeah, we'll check the no, calendar. You never know what'll happen, folks. Time is a slippery snake. No, you know, it slithers away, mm. and you can't get your hands on it, and it wiggles and it jiggles, and it goes where it will. You can't catch that yeah. snake. You know. So what Steve Miller was talking about. Who's that? Oh, Steve Miller Band. He was all like, he's just like, time keeps I on see. slipping, 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 yeah. and it wiggled and jiggled yeah. and wriggled Time's inside her. Time's a slippery snake slithering I into thought you my meant slippery Stephen, Stephen Miller, the former White House. Mm, you know, yeah, we're still, glad we're still talking about, about that guy. guy. Yeah, he's a uh-huh. he's a capo. That guy. Uh, no, I'm talking about the 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 the, the colloquial Steve Miller from yeah, the yeah, Steve Miller makes, band. That makes, uh-huh. that's uh-huh. But you just don't only think about the impending administration. That's good. All right. Uh, 
I, uh, you know, I try to, I try to mitigate. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you both. Um, thanks, Sam, for joining, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for having me. Bye bye, um, Waterloo, um, <laughs> Fernando. Um, yeah. Uh, gimme, gimme, gimme. Take a, I already did that one. Take a chance on me. Okay. Um, that's all. If you change your mind, I'll be there That's I'm still free. I'm so free. Take a chance on me. My seventh grade English teacher used to like play that song when we were supposed to be writing papers. Deranged song to put on when students are trying to do anything. That's like that's that's legitimate like torture. That's like damn. What are you doing to us? Do I? Do either of you listen to music while writing? Or I do listen to music. Oh, while writing, yes, I do. Yes. Yeah, I listen. Yeah, I listen to. I have, it's. I have specific things. I listen to the Dot Hack soundtrack. <laughs> I listen to uh, this uh, this uh, band Equip. I love Equip. Like a, he's like a like. Yeah, yeah. I knew you'd like uh-huh. Equip. I've yeah. got. Uh, I got a couple uh, LPs of Equip. Oh, nice! Uh-huh. I, got- I, I I'm gonna reach out to Equip. I want to do an Equip album cover. That's my next goal. Oh, a, dude, that is artist. like. Make it happen. That is great. I would love. I would love curse, to. Curse if, if Breaker. Equip, if Equip is X, I think that's the that's the one that Curse Breaker X really is really good. Um, uh, there's the other one that has the uh, that's like a little bit more like cyberpunky anime cover. It's oh, what is it? I've called? got like the um, fake video game soundtrack he made. Uh, what is that one called? Oh yeah yeah yeah. The uh, it's like crystal something. It's sort of crystally. It's got a crystal. If I may, all right. If I may answer my own uh-huh. question. I it, I only write exclusively to one song or one I should say one album. What? Uh, Lift your skinny fists to heaven. Godspeed oh, yeah. you black emperor. <laughs> Godspeed. Oh, that's you. a good. It's really good for writing. That's a that's a good album yeah, for writing. It just yeah. Like builds up and then suddenly I'll feel, I'll be typing really Oops. fast. <laughs> Those crescendos, man. Yeah. You can't. You know. Yeah. You can't. That's a that, hard wave. I know. The horns on that album great. are incredible. Yeah, totally. I really they, love the beginning what they do with that. Totally. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> Brad uh-huh. doesn't Oof. like this idea. Uh, no, it it really works. No, for it's me. just it's just too moving. You know, it's too like uh, uh, like when I put on like like close to the edge. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, yes. You know yes. what I mean? Mm-hmm. You, yeah, you get yeah. sure. So, you can kind of tune out a little, little ways, and then you get to yeah, the, the and it starts you know, hitting you. Yeah. will pass you by. See, I, I'm like, I, whoa, I can't whoa, do, whoa! I got to stop writing. I've been right. carried away. I can't do any lyrics, you know? but I will. The alternative is God, or I'm sorry, the alternative. Um, to Godspeed is uh, Mogwai's Mogwai for Satan, which is 16 minutes. We got long. the post rock here, folks. Mm. It's yeah. a post rock show now. Definitely, I, I do. I I'll I'll do I'll do lyric bands if it's in a different language. Yeah. So I'll listen to like um, Ogre You Asshole or. Um, <laughs> There's uh, there's a couple other like Japanese like I'll listen to like Number Girl sometimes mm-hmm. when I'm writing like that that's okay um, or uh, Drinking Girls and Boys Choir that's the other mm-hmm. one. Well, nevertheless. This has been lots of music, music. out there, folks. Listen to whatever <laughs> you want. This has been music discussions to write to. Uh, Listen to whatever you want, folks. Okay. A lot of music it's out true. there. It's a, a lot of music. And those, those that sub <laughs> you know? those genres are just as healthy and normal as all the yep. rest. Uh, yep. And hey, thank you. It's true. Thank you for the music, by the way. <laughs> it's your stupid face. Okay. Okay. We're done. <laughs> Goodbye. Abba. Goodbye. Oh God, he was so proud of himself. Did you see him? Did you see his face? How proud he was? It was really good. It was He's really just good. Googling lyrics. Um, <laughs> no, it's all off the cuff. Yeah. It's all right. All right. Yeah. 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 As you look at your yeah. second monitor. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. Goodbye. Uh, Thank you. Oh my God. Thank you all. Goodbye. Stopping this. <laughs>